This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And if you've heard me talk about Grammy, you know that she means the world to me. I wanted a dog for probably 10 years and I was living in an apartment, couldn't have dogs. When I finally moved somewhere else, I adopted her within weeks and it was love at first scritch. She's about two feet away from me as I record this. She hangs out in the studio and all I want to do is smooch her and look at her and stare at her. I also like feeding her because I see how happy it makes her. And there's nothing like watching her lick her chops after having yummy stuff like Grammy's pot pie or real Texas beef and sweet potato, which are two recipes she's been enjoying for America. As her parent, I like that they use deboned meat and fish or poultry as the number one ingredient. I also like that they have these real ingredients and you can see them on the bag so you know what's in each one. And watching her do a little dance, especially with a Grammy's pot pie recipe, brings too much joy to my heart. Is there such a thing as too much joy? I'm not sure. But check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Oh, hey. It's a tangled pair of headphones you just found in your winter jacket pocket. Sally Ward. Hey, speaking of jackets, check in with your bod right now. Are you cold? Are you hot? How are your feet? Are they sweating? Is this too many questions? Okay, well, I'm back with another Smologies episode. I'm sure by now you know what a Smology is, right? Of course you do. But for the people that are just joining us, Smologies are these bite-sized kind of sampler episodes of our regular entree-sized ologies episodes, but in a little digestible 20 to 30-minute format. Oh, and they're also G-rated, so they're kid and they're classroom-friendly. So we took out all the swears and the innuendos, and we left them on the cutting board. And we've probably taken this meal metaphor far enough, so let's get into it. So thermophysiology, here we go. Thermo in ancient Greek means hot, and physio is derived from the word for nature. So more specifically, physiology is the scientific study of functions and mechanisms in a living system like yours. So basically, how living things deal with and live with the heat or the cold. So this week's ologist is an evolutionary biologist who's an assistant professor in the ecology and evolutionary biology department at Princeton University. He currently leads a research group on the evolution of wildlife in response to human activity and contemporary climate change. And he received his bachelor's in ecology and evolutionary biology from the University of Rochester and his PhD from a little place called Harvard in organismic and evolutionary biology. And if that was not enough, he's also the co-host of a podcast called The Biology of Superheroes. It's awesome. So in this small, 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 smallology episode, we cover all of your burning heat questions, like why do some people run hotter than others? Why do you sweat in your sleep? Maybe you specifically. How do animals regulate their body temperature? Why humans have adapted to all these different climates of the earth? And what is frostbite, how an animal's mass influences its ability to disperse or conserve heat, and certain species of frog that, you ready, creates its own internal antifreeze? No. Really? We're going to cover it. We're also going to introduce you to your new favorite word. It's so much fun to say. Poikilotherm. Poikilotherm. 
You're going to know what it means in a minute. Oh, also, you're basically kind of like a bear, sort of. So let's give a warm, warm welcome to a science communicator, a podcast and TV host, and an evolutionary biologist and thermophysiologist, Dr. Shane Campbell-Staten. do mammals experience temperature okay so it's exciting yeah so so we're, we're gonna go we're gonna go in right now <laughs> okay i'm going in when we're thinking about like the physiology when we're thinking about like thermal physiology how animals experience temperature and how that temperature influences their function there are four major categories Okay, here we go into a matrix of different combinations of body heat you can have if you weren't already a hairy human. So the mm-hmm. first difference is being ectothermic or endothermic. Okay. Right? So being endothermic, you can uh, endothermic organisms can produce their own internal body heat. Uh, ectothermic organisms cannot. Mm-hmm. And then we have basically homeothermic versus poikilothermic. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's a, a good word. I know. It is a good word. That is a Scrabble word. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good podcast word. Yeah. Poikilothermic. Yeah. I did not know this word, poikilothermic. And yeah, I got you covered with a def. So a poikilotherm is an animal whose internal temperature varies considerably. It's all over the place. As opposed to a homeotherm, which maintains homeostasis and keeps a temperature pretty constant, like you and me. So Shane explains how this is not just ectothermic and endothermic. There's difference, and thus a matrix. Do you know what I'm talking about? The matrix. So homeotherms are able to maintain a constant body temperature, and poikilotherms have a fluctuating body temperature with respect to their external environment. For instance, you can have uh, an endothermic poikilotherm. These are like mammals that hibernate. For animals that hibernate for really long periods of time, like weeks or months, their internal body temperature can actually drop to within about one degree Celsius of ambient temperature. What? Even though they have these internal mechanisms of producing heat. Right? And this is a, a energy saving mechanism. Mm-hmm. So these endopoiks, if you will, generate their own heat but it can vary, kind of like a house with a furnace. But they set the dial depending on what they need. Here is a list. Bears, gophers, bats, groundhogs, just to name a few. Ectothermic, Ectothermic homeotherm yes. is through behavioral thermoregulation. Oh. Right? And, you know, and basically this means, you know, paying really close attention to the micro environments, like the micro thermal environments that are available to you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are a, a small lizard, for instance, and it gets really hot outside, again, because you're so small, you're going to gain heat really quickly, right? Because of that, that same volume to surface area issue, mm-hmm. except if you move into the shade, oh. right? So if you move into the shade at the right time and you stay there for, for long enough, you can actually maintain a steady body temperature even though you're not producing internal body heat. Oh, okay. Exactly. And then insects do it a whole different way. So things like bees are technically uh, ectothermic homeotherms Mm -hmm. because they can actually use their flight muscles. They can decouple their flight muscles 
and vibrate them without moving their wings to generate heat. And why do some animals and humans have set body temperatures that they need to maintain in order to live? Like why, why do humans have to be 98.6 and why do, and are dogs a different temperature? And do mice in Montana have to be a different temperature than the ones in New Mexico? Mm, that's a great question. So generally speaking, you know, it's all about strategy, like sort of evolutionary strategy and life history strategy. So mammals benefit from being warm all the time in the sense that you know, I can get up and move regardless of, you know, what time of day it is, which means because I have that high metabolism, you know, I can, you know, go run and, you know, and do like really high intensity activities for a pretty sustained period of time, much more so than if I was an ectotherm. Mm -hmm. But also on the flip side of that, it also means that I have to take in much more energy in order to fuel that that internal furnace, right? That defines uh, that defines endotherms. Mm -hmm. So we have to be out grazing and hunting and finding food in order to have this like 24 hour open supermarket of body heat kind of. Yes. All of that totally makes sense. Now, if we want to keep this train moving, we got to fuel the engine. But Geography also plays an important role, as Dr. Shane explains. And here he introduces us to Allen's rule on how geography can affect phenotypes, essentially the way that our genes express themselves and what we look like, based on how near or far away an organism is from the equator or the Earth's geographical belt line. It's, it's complicated because it, it is not just a function of size. Behavior plays a really large role in this as well, right? Mm -hmm. So we can say things like, you know, Allen's rule or Bergman's rule, which uh, states that as you move farther north, you get generally larger animals. Oh, right. Because oh. larger animals are able to maintain internal temperatures better. Oh, I never would have thought about that. Like woolly mammoths were in Siberia and not just kicking it in Panama. Exactly. I never ever thought ever thought about that. Yeah, but the largest mammal on the planet is the elephant. Oh, it's yeah. like smack dab right at the equator. Well, what the hell's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so but it's you know, so size is is one parameter, but in order to get around the fact that they have so much volume to surface area, they've evolved very special features that allow them to cool. Right? So if you're out on the savanna or if you're in India, you, a lot of times in the heat of the day, you'll see, well, one, you'll see the elephants are typically in the shade, but you'll also see them constantly fanning their ears right back and forth. And if you look at their ears, they have these massive blood vessels that go out into their ears and essentially it acts as a personalized air conditioner. Right? Oh, so as fun. they fan their their uh, their ears, that blood cools and then mm -hmm. that cool blood circulates back into their body and it helps them to, to stay cooler. What are some other crazy adaptations that you've seen to deal with extreme heat? So if we, if we look within Africa, for instance, right, there are populations like right around the equator. It's very um, it's very warm and gets like extremely hot during the day. And in response, right, the body changes proportions again to sort of manipulate this volume to surface area. This is what we call Allen's rule. Okay. Right? And Allen's rule states that in these warmer environments, Animals, mammals specifically, have a tendency to grow longer, narrower limbs. Oh. Right? And by growing longer, narrower limbs, 
you sort of manipulate that volume to certain, it's like having a, a little pipe, mm-hmm. right? Instead of like a big, thick appendage oh. by decreasing the volume with respect to that surface area, you can then dump heat really quickly to the environment. Okay. All right. So that's a, that's one strategy. So if you look at a lot of sub-Saharan African populations that occur right around the equator, very tall, very thin phenotypes. Okay. But then as you move north into really high latitude environments, um, you know, look at populations like the Inuits, mm-hmm. very different bill, right? They're sort of very sort of compact. So it prevents them from dumping heat. It allows them to retain heat in the face of, of the cold much more efficiently. Cold, cold, so cold. What are some other crazy adaptations that you've seen to deal with extreme heat? Ooh. Or cold. Okay, okay. So I will, I will, I will go in on both. So on the cold side of things, there are a lot of animals who have developed extreme adaptations and you know, the field, like the sort of subfield of thermobiology that specializes in those cold adaptations is called cryobiology. Oh, okay. And amongst the most extreme, for instance, if you were in North Carolina, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the recent pictures, but people were freaking out because you know, the lakes were freezing solid in North Carolina. And when you look at the lakes, every once in a while, you see like a little snout, Ooh. right? That's stuck in, you know, like kind of poking up in the ice. Whose snoot was it? And that snout was connected connected to an American alligator. Oh, jeez, Louise. And the alligator, you know, it's stuck in the ice, and but they're able to deal with that really cold situation oh for God. a pretty long period of time. There are some species that can actually freeze solid. Ooh for months at a time and then thaw out and go on about their business. So animals like the wood frog, for instance. So wood frogs, when they begin to freeze, they undergo a lot of significant physiological changes, right? So they begin to pump glycogen out of their livers into their bloodstream. So it's like basically sugar. Mm -hmm. And they also dump urea into their bloodstream, which we typically try to Get yeah. rid of through peeing. Uh, yeah, usually that's something you don't you want to offboard there. Exactly, but this combination of you know sugar and urea essentially acts as an antifreeze, right? So they can super cool without the formation of ice crystals. Uh, ice crystals are typically like that is the thing that is most dangerous about cold temperatures because when water crystallizes, essentially it turns into little daggers that start stabbing and ripping apart cells. And, you know, so when you, um, you know, when you get like, like severe frostbite or you're in your, you know, toes turn black and fall off, it's because in large part because of crystal damage. What? Frostbite is water crystal damage? The very water we love? that keeps us alive just does a heel turn when it turns cold and tries to take out our extremities. So let me hand you a hot tip. Keep your gloves close, people. Oh, speaking of hot, what about extreme heat? For hot temperatures, obviously there are animals all around the planet that have evolved to live in extremely hot environments. So for instance, in desert environments, right? And there's some you know, behaviors that evolved that are, you know, kind of, um, kind of funny. Right? There are, there's a lizard species, for instance, that lives in deserts that, you know, at the heat of the day, in order for them to survive, they essentially rotate picking up hand, their, oh. their feet. You know, and they pick up two at a time and they just 
keep, you know, it's like if you were to walk out on asphalt uh-huh. barefoot and you do that thing where you hop back and forth, it's essentially what, like how they get by. Oh God, um, that's so fancy. Yeah, I know. They're like very like prancy little, little yeah. I think they're adorable. Look at you, so fancy. All right, the lightning round of Patreon questions is right around the corner, but I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that a portion of the ad revenue every week is donated to a cause of the ologist's choosing. And Shane chose the Environmental Defense Fund, which is a nonprofit. It's guided by science and economics, and it tackles urgent threats with practical solutions. And they have a staff of 700 scientists, economists, policy experts, and other professional grown-ups from around the world. And they're committed to bipartisan environmentalism. Lots of great scientists getting stuff done for us. And that donation was made possible by sponsors of the... What do you get for the mom who burst you into the world? I know, a candle. Are you like, no, that's not quite enough. How about memories that she'll love looking at every day. Aura frames, I love them. So they're a digital photo frame. They were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and by me. And Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected. You can add unlimited photos and videos and you can invite as many people as you want to the frame. There are absolutely no hidden fees. There's no subscriptions. You can also react with cute emojis if you'd like and you can show you love a photo. You can send congratulations or more. It's so wonderful that A, it's not a candle. And also, it's not sharing your photos on social media to look at. It's just there. You can share it with the people who you love. I have mentioned this so many times, but my parents have an aura that I got them. My dad loved that. I have gotten aura frames for friends, for family members, for family members of friends. So I'm a really big fan of them. I love what they do. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. So that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use the code ologies at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I love these things. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allies love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. Kiwi goes like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Joe? Okay, back to your Patreon questions. And wow, so many of you were all on the same page. So many people asked the same questions that I'm just going to read through their names because I kind of categorize them. Okay. Okay. Megan Younce, Sarah Clark, Anna Thompson, 
and Ashley Kelly all kind of want to know, can people have different set body temperatures or is it total BS when someone says that they run hot and someone else runs cold? No, individual. there is variation in, in average body temperatures. Oh. Yeah. So when we say a human being should be 98.6 degrees, that means that there's just like any bell curve, that's at the top of the bell curve. Yeah. Yeah. I think most humans typically fluctuate between like 97 and 98.5 or 99. Areologist who studies Mars, who was on the show, Jennifer Booz and Suki Holly, both wants to know, what's the point of fevers? Oh, what's the point of fevers? Why do we get them? <clears throat> so again, so the point of fevers is more or less the same point of uh, the Japanese bee heat balls. See? See, these Smologies episodes are all connected. So we have things that are attacking our body. And by generating a fever, we're we're hedge betting. We're betting that we are more heat tolerant than the things that are invading our body. Man, so if you have a fever, you should keep it up? No, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. You, first of all, you should see a doctor is okay. what you should do. And not a PhD. <laughs> you should see a medical doctor, not a thermal physiologist. Do not just tweet at Shane. No, don't don't tweet at me. Go see a doctor. I, <laughs> I don't have anything for you over here. Don't at me. <laughs> okay. But that's why you're getting it is just cooking the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, if you have... Um, yeah, you know, if you maintain a fever for a really long time, it can actually have extremely detrimental effects. You right? cook your own brain. Yes, okay. precisely. Mm. And cells, generally speaking. Ooh, don't poach yourself. Okay. Don't do that. But at least you know why it happens. And then a few people had a question about their partners having different heat tolerances than them. Bethany G says, why are women so much colder in office buildings than men? <laughs> She says, generally speaking, Cassie Flint asked the same question. Disclaimer, sorry for the sweeping gender gen generalization, but why do men seem to be walking heaters? Kelly Meeker also asked this. So did Bethany G and Anna Thompson. Mm. So if I had to make a guess at this, I would say it, it has to do with with body size oh. uh, on average. You know, on average, men have a tendency to be larger than than women. It's like sexual size dimorphism. Mm -hmm. What that means is that they have more volume to surface area, which then means that they can retain heat more efficiently than smaller bodied individuals. Of course, this is regardless of, of gender, right? It's just a, a property of size, but because you know there are sort of different distributions of size for mm -hmm. men and women, like on average, it can create that shift. So tinier people are not just bigger whiners. They're actually colder. Yes. So listen to us <laughs> sometimes if you're short and cold. Yeah. They physiologically have to work harder to keep their heat. Yes. Because as a person who is shorter and has been freezing and worn fingerless gloves in an office building in August, <laughs> I understand that very much. So side note, if your temperature feels all wonky, you can thank your glands. So the hypothalamus acts as a thermostat. It helps your body adjust to whatever your heat needs are. And typically when you're asleep, your temperature drops to its lowest point a few hours before you wake up, which kind of keeps you comfortably snoozing. Now, if you're sweating a bunch, it could be hormonal changes that are messing with your hypothalamus or a sudden plummet in blood sugar if you kind of went a little hard on the desserts. Also, if you're always freezing and you feel tired and sluggish, you may want to have your own one-on-one -on -one ologies episode with an endocrinologist to chat about thyroid levels. Another symptom of that having freezing hands and feet, which I know for a fact some of you do. A lot of people had questions about extremities and parts of the body, like Jocelyn Vincent, Marisa uh, Brewer, 
Mar- Mariko Shin, Meeg, Megan Younts, Heather Hutchinson, Rada Vicaria, Heather Wills, Azriel King, and Moritz Latuske all kind of asked, why are feet freezing while the rest of our body is warm? Why are our hands cold? What is happening yeah. with different parts of bodies? So this phenomenon is is called regional heterothermy. Ooh, these are great terms. Yeah. So thermal physiology has some awesome terms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do I do like that that part about being a thermal physiologist. Uh, and essentially what uh, what happens is your your body has priorities, right? And your core is the top priority. So if you're in a cold environment and you need to preserve heat, the first thing that your body or one of the first things that your body does is it shunts blood away from your extremities in order to preserve it at your core, because the same thing would happen as I talked about with the elephants, right? When they're, you know, as they, you know, pump blood out, it cools and then it returns. But if you're in a cold environment and you're pumping blood to your extremities and it cools and comes back, then your internal body temperature begins to plummet much quicker. So your feet get cold and your hands get cold so that your heart and lungs and liver and all that good stuff can stay warm. Cause we got to keep that, that all those organs pumping. Oh yeah. But we can lose a hand. We'll be fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But also at the same time, you notice that, you know, if you're out in, in the cold, like your head is always steaming, mm-hmm. even though it's technically an extremity. That's because that's where the moneymaker is at right? the brain. Do we lose a lot of heat from our heads? We yes. Had, oh my God. Okay. Let me find who asked this again. Claudius and others asked, I've heard it's an urban myth that we lose most of our body heat in your head. Time to have an expert be the judge, they say. Yeah, so it's um, so it's it's not an urban legend for multiple reasons. One, because typically when we wear clothes, our head is least likely to be covered. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, just as a product, right, we would lose most of the heat by way of our head because the rest of us is, is insulated. The other thing is that, um, you know, this regional heterothermy doesn't really apply to your head because... You know, your body will do pretty much anything to keep your brain functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you will continue to pump, you know, blood to your head, which means that it will, you're continually supplying like warm, warmth, you know, to, you know, to your entire head, your face, you know, except for like your lips and all the cartilaginous places, right? Your lips and nose oh, yeah. and ears get really, uh, get purple. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they get purple on you, not so much on, <laughs> on me because of the melanin. <laughs> We definitely need a dermatology or skin episode all about melanin. Am I right? I am. Now, can you simply beat the heat? Does the cold grow old? You know, I once went to Alaska in April and I witnessed human beings wearing short sleeves in 45 degrees. We're all the same species. So what is happening? How can they deal with that? I'd be so cold. So many people, Carla Fiaco, Todd McLaren, Michael Pascura. Joshua Kuhn, Alina Tanabe, and Katie Boyd all want to know about acclimation. Over time, does the body adapt to climate? And as a person who lives in Southern California that gets very cold everywhere else, and as you've just moved here, just wait till it happens to you. Hills <laughs> are getting weaker and weaker. Do we adapt that quickly? We So yeah, so individuals can acclimate to, to temperatures. Okay. Um, so again, I study this mostly in reptiles. Right. In reptiles and ectotherms, like this is, we call it heat hardening. Okay. Right? So essentially when you're exposed to a hot temperature for an extended period of time, you become more adept at 
functioning at high temperatures and vice versa. Mm -hmm. right? So this is this is called this is acclimation or phenotypic plasticity, right? Where you have like one genome that can produce multiple phenotypes depending on its interaction with the environment. Some of you wanted to know how weight loss or gain might affect your ability to adapt to the elements. Is this Allen's rule at work? What's happening? And then Armando and May both said that they recently lost a lot of weight and they're constantly cold. Does weighing less affect body heat? Weighing less does affect body heat, again, because of this volume to surface area, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, but also, you know, fat, generally speaking, does also acts as an insulator. So if you take, uh, think a lot of mammals that occur in polar, um, in polar climates, uh, so things like, you know, polar bears, walruses, seals that, you know, can live in, in really cold waters, they all, they're, they have blubber, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, which is fat. Okay. It's time to get a little sci-fi and discuss putting yourself on ice, kind of like a mac and cheese leftover dinner that you're going to enjoy next month. Heat it back up and poof, you're good to go. Only it's you and your body. It's spooky, but it's very fascinating. Okay, <laughs> cryogenics. Sonia Karalepovic and Azriel King want to know, is cryogenic freezing in any way realistic or possible? So uh, so it depends on what you mean. I'm always reluctant to say anything is impossible, mm. uh, but it's highly improbable. Okay. Um, but if you're talking about cryogenic freezing, uh, so this is actually a really active area of research when it comes to things like organ transplants. Oh, right. right. And, okay. You know, extending the longevity of transplants and how they how long they can survive outside of the body. So actually, a lot of this work that is being done on animals like the wood frog, right, if you have an animal that is able to do this for an extended period of time, right, and have properly function functioning organs, yeah, you know, it's a good place to go to find solutions to being able to freeze an organ solid and then revive it and still have it be able to, to function. Right. So I think, I do think that is a possibility. Okay. Uh, and, you know, essentially we just need to really know more about the physiology of, of this, this process and how it plays out in nature. But in terms of like freezing heads and reviving people, improbable, I will say, highly improbable. So improbable but not impossible. So maybe there is a chance scientists are hot on the trail of this research. Now, why do you do what you do? I asked Dr. Shane Campbell-Staten. What is the best thing about being a thermophysiologist? Oh, oh my God. How much time do you have? Lizards. Yeah. So de it's definitely the animals, right? So, I mean, certainly being a thermophysiologist, I mean, I think this applies to pretty much any scientist, but the idea of like waking up in the morning and you know that your day is going to be spent trying to answer questions that have never been answered before and may have never been asked before. There's like just something so deeply satisfying about that. Deeply satisfying indeed. So a quick review. Let's recap. We learned that there is a matrix for how animals experience temperature. There's ectothermic versus endothermic and homeothermic versus our new favorite word, pachylothermic. And that Allen's rule applies to mammals, including humans, that in warmer climates grow longer, thinner limbs in order to dump heat and survive. And then conversely, in colder climates, in higher latitudes, you'll find compact, stockier builds in mammals, allowing them to retain their heat. 
Smaller people are generally colder and have to work harder to retain heat. Also, your glands act kind of like a thermostat, and your feetsies get cold because of regional heterothermy, or essentially the concept that your body prioritizes some parts over others. Oh, and wood frogs are cooler than us. Literally, they are cooler than us. Also, it's improbable but not impossible to cryogenically freeze your body and then reanimate it in the future. Still working on that. Put a pin in it. So find out more about Dr. Shane Campbell-Staten at campbellstaten.com. He's also on Twitter at campbellstaten, and I will link all of this in the show notes, including his podcast, The Biology of Superheroes. He's also on Instagram at shane.campbellstaten. So thank you, Dr. Shane. You're the best. And thank you for tuning in. Any new Smologites, these fresh, clean little episodes are out about every two weeks, and they are safe for all ages, including classrooms. We cut out all my swears, and we keep them in the full thermophysiology episode. It's got way more details and adult content. Um, Also, a lot more info on Dr. Shane's journey. That's all available on alleyward.com or in the show notes that'll link you to the full episode. There's also a list of credits for this episode in the show notes, since we like to keep things nice and short and small around here. And if you listen to the end, you know, I give you a piece of advice. And this week, it's that sometimes when we feel mad, we're mad because we're scared. So next time you're mad, maybe sit down and ask yourself, am I scared of something right now? And if so, what is it? And tell someone so that they can help you. It's okay if that happens. Grownups go through that too all the time, because sometimes emotions can be confusing unless you sit down and ask yourself, what am I really feeling? And right now I'm feeling happy and grateful that you listened to the end. And we'll be back soon. Until then, Smologites, bye-bye. Squarespace. Where would I be without you? I would be websiteless. So Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. You can build your brand, you can grow your business, you can stand out with this really gorgeous website. They have templates, they have drag and drop tools. All of a sudden, all your ideas that you've had, boom, look like a great and professional website. I put off putting up a website for years. And then I've heard a podcast ad for Squarespace. I tried it. And the next day I had a website. I was like, what? Why did I wait so long? Websites become less scary when you have Squarespace. You can get your domain name through them. You can sell products as an online store, either physical or digital products. Make some ceramics and sell them online. I'll buy them. I do that all the time. Are you knitting so much stuff and you need to sell it? Get a Squarespace website, or if you have tutorials that you want to put behind a paywall, you can do that with Squarespace too. If you are a PhD candidate, get your domain name with doctor in front of it. Launch it the day that you defend your dissertation. Let people find you. Make stuff, let people find you. You can also collect email subscribers and convert them into customers. They have email templates you can customize. They have built-in analytics if you're a data nerd. Trust me, love Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com slash ologies for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Trust me, do it. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies.